What's going on, everybody? Welcome and thank you for tuning in to episode 13 of the Barangay Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Dominic Alcantara, and I just wanted to take a second to remind you all to follow, subscribe, and share this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a positive review if you like what you hear. Uh, Also, you can head over to our Anchor link if you want to make a donation to help us make this podcast better and better. Thank you so much again, and let's hear from today's guest, Exit Post. What's good, everybody? Today I have the homie Ken, who makes music by the name of Exit Post. Yo, yo, yo. Ken, you want to say what's up? What's up, what's up? I will up? say what's up. What's going on? Thank you for having me on. Glad we uh, yeah. glad we finally got to do this. We've been talking about it for, for a little while, and here we are. Three months, four months. <laughs> Three months, four months. Who's counting? I'm not counting. Are you counting? Hey, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm counting. I'm always counting, because when I'm not doing the podcast... I get mad at myself. I'm counting. <laughs> I'm counting on you to create a stellar podcast, which you are. <laughs> oh yeah, you know I do what I do. I do my best. <laughs> of course. Uh, we anyway, were talking uh, a little bit before, yeah. but like I really, I really enjoy the work, the the podcast, and the guests you've been having on. Just like great variety of musicians. Uh, well, musicians now, but also like visual artists, and also just following your guys instagram i've been like discovering a lot of photographers i'm like just now following too it's a really great format to like introduce like visual art in that way because you kind of don't necessarily always have like the story behind a photographer but then you get that in the caption and also like their visual right there so i really like what you guys have been doing yes yes thank you so much i appreciate that that is the whole point for those of you who don't know or haven't listened to the first episode of the podcast that is the whole point because you know it's not often that you get to listen to a visual artist or a musician or whoever an artist in general you get to listen to them talk about their lives talk about their process talk about their entire existence and being for you know an hour more or less because and that's what we're doing here. That's what we're yeah. doing here. So, Ken, you want to tell them a little bit about your music and you as a producer? Uh, sure. So, I make music under the name Exit Post. I started kind of like releasing beats, kind of putting out music, I would say, around 2014-ish. I was releasing singles on SoundCloud and whatnot. I guess around like 2016, I wanted to put out things a little more regularly. And since then, things sporadically releasing. But now I'm putting out a new album with, it's called Two Dreamers. It's coming out on Zoom Lens. And that album and my music in general is sort of this like electronic beats, dreamy atmospheres, but I really take a lot of inspiration from Japan. I was born there. Um, I'm half Japanese and incorporating those sounds, those kinds of samples and those sort of like ideas into electronic music is what I try to do with my project and my album that's coming out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. How how long? How much time did you spend in Japan? Because I have noticed that it is a it is a pretty heavy theme in your music. So I, I'm just curious about that. Sure. I so I was born there. Um, it's actually I was actually born in like the same town my mom was born, and that my mom's side of the family had lived for like a really long time. But it's actually my parents okay. actually like they met in the States and then moved to Japan for only like a few years when my sister and I were born. And then I moved back here like really young. Like I want to say like I was like still like a baby. I was like one or two years old. But so my memory, like there aren't like I would argue that like the time living there was not expansive, but we spent every summer there. So I like have a lot of like childhood associations with going there. And also it's summertime and like, that's like your most free and kind of innocent. And there's a lot of like nostalgia that I get from going yeah. back there whenever I do. Um, in terms of now, I try to go once a year. Yeah. I still have an uncle there. I still have lots of friends out there. So like, and whenever I'm there, try to 
just be involved in music and record as much as I can. You know, just like it's like a secondary home to me. It always has been. Have you ever been? No, I haven't yet. I haven't had the chance, unfortunately. That's like, of course, the dream. I would love to go there. But unfortunately, my work hasn't taken me there yet, which is all good. You know, it's fine. I'll get there eventually. I really, really want to. Have you like have you ever had any intentions of like shooting there or like doing like have you ever have you ever had any like thought to have any guests from there on the podcast or do you have like anyone you know out there? Dude, yeah, of course. Of course. I actually do have some friends. So I have one very one very well one good friend he is from Japan, but he studies at Brown, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I believe. I haven't seen him in a while. He's a he's a really really crazy good photographer. I haven't seen him in oh, about, nice. like 2 years. But yeah, I, I plan to have him on the podcast. I, just once I see him again, then then I'll reignite the flame. <laughs> it's kind of funny. There's like, you know what I mean? there's definitely a really cool photography network that like I know some people out there in Japan that like are doing some really cool things I've seen. But it's funny that like everyone who like I feel like there's like an idea of photography in Japan that's exclusively like people from like LA who go there and shoot there. You know what I mean? Like the like neon like going to Shibuya and like neon lights and it's like it's only ever people who like aren't from Japan that shoot in that style. I'm sure you know the exact style right. I'm talking of, right? Right. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that's just part of that's kind of just part of photography as a medium and the way it's taken over social media and yeah, it's just definitely it becomes so trendy like photography in itself is still a trend and it's a huge trend because of the way we use our phones now it's still yeah, a trend and then anyone can certain do photography it. styles of course yeah it everybody has access to it so everybody's going to try to copy all the trends because why not you know that's just how trends work how long have you <laughs> been doing it me i've been doing it for five years now Nice. I think. Yeah, um, but I'm kind of away from it now. Say that. Hey, again? man! Enough about me. Enough about me. Oh, We're talking sorry. about you here. Oh no! There was a. <laughs> oh no! 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 I'm, I apologize. There was actually a segue in that. I started doing photography before I ever did music, so I always have like a little oh, bit really? of an interest in it. Yeah. Um, I was. I went to art school in New York City, and that was sort of like my first foray into like exploring my Asian American identity side through my work was that right. I really got into photography in high school and like was developing photos and every, and from then on every time, cause we continued to go, my family continued to go to Japan every year. That's when I started really getting more like into it, like shooting around Tokyo and shooting in like the neighborhood I was from. And it sort of planted right. the seed a little bit because people were resonating a lot like back home with like, Oh, that's like, like I, I like that's really cool that you're exploring all these places like in another country or whatever. And I mean, like, obviously, like a high schooler, that's like, <laughs> like, it seems <laughs> cool. Like looking back now, it's sort of like, yeah, anyone can kind of do that. But, you know, I was like, you know, like f I was like a 16 year old kid. And like, yeah, that of got the kind of gears going that I was like, oh, like disgusting, exploring through art, my like identity was really interesting to do in photo and that's kind of like helped segue when i started like making music not initially but the project started like it really started one summer in like 2012 in tokyo and it was like around mm -hmm. then i was also like i had just graduated doing photo a little less so i really like both of those things in japan always like were a big part of my life so that is that is why i ask because i there's a part of me okay. that's still always really interested in photography so maybe oh I, wow yeah yeah maybe i maybe i should like diversify at some point <laughs> once yeah, i get man. sick of music no, yeah no harm in going back to it so then that brings me to the question like how did you get into music if you started photography in you know in your high school years how what when did you start music how did you get there um, and i love that you brought up your identity as well we'll talk more about that later for sure. I got into making music like it just didn't, the same as high school. Like I was just kind of like fucking around on GarageBand. Uh, I remember so like going really back, like the first thing I ever did before I even played an instrument, I was like trying to make mashups when I was like in the fifth grade. 
Like <laughs> that was like, <laughs> so I really started there. If we're going way back, I had like, uh, I had like windows movie maker and I used to combine nice. like green day songs with like some 41 songs. I found a mashup nice, I did dude. of, of Jay Z dirt off your shoulder and the Simpsons song. It was so bad. Like I like, obviously oh, wow. like no music foundation. Like you don't like know what keys or BPMs are and like you can't properly do a mashup. But it kind of yeah. got like the it kind of got like the interest in it. I was like, oh, like I, it's like a fun thing to do. So that was really early. And then in high school, I was like still making like really awful shit, fucking around in GarageBand. But uh, I was also like just kind of like I started um, like sort of end of middle school taking guitar lessons and like actually learning music. And then like in the midst of high school, I was like trying to like write songs. They were all really bad. I was in a band. And in that band, it was like, it had this sort of like electronic music bend, like the um, other person in it, who's a good friend of mine, uh, Dan, he produces music as a gold boy. Uh, he kind of like was showing me a little bit of like, like this is how you can like make beats and stuff in GarageBand. So I had a lot of, so, and I also went to a very like music high school. Like I went to LaGuardia, which mm -hmm. is like churns out a lot of like people who go off in the arts because it's sort of like a specialized school in New York City. We, ha we have specialized schools that like focus on really specific um, concentrations. And this one was like arts. So okay, like, yeah. I, I was like an art major and my friends were music majors. So just being around musicians too. But the music I was making like wasn't good. Like it was like, it was like some painful <laughs> like indie shit. Like that's been scrubbed from the internet. You're not going to find it. It's not good. But, um, and yeah. then, but so I remember I was like making like kind of lackluster stuff. And then one day I got like a, like an Akai controller and I went to, and it was like on a trip to Japan. It, this was in 2012. So I was sort of like, I was like either like uh, like just graduated high school or like a college freshman. Um, I like sort of got into like making beats on Logic, and okay. But the thing that was really kind of I felt like clicking a little more was that I immediately was already like, oh, I should try to like incorporate like cool Japanese rhythms or like little vocals or like field recordings and whatnot. So my early stuff, mm -hmm. it was like. The, the sort of ideas were there, but not really the actual. Yeah, like, so you had that sound you had that idea of wanting to fit in your identity and in, into the context of your music already from the beginning. Yeah, pretty early on. I think I didn't go as head okay. on into it, but I was really inspired on that trip to just like, like, um, make music that like I would. I would like take my laptop and like go outside and like try to make stuff. And so, and I was really getting into um, a lot of electronic music at the time. I was getting really into like Fortet and Shigeto and Flying Lotus. And Shigeto mm -hmm. in particular was a really like important early influence because he's also like a mixed Japanese artist. And like, okay, he, okay in his music was talking about like his heritage and he has a, he has a album called lineage that I really liked. And, um, I felt super inspired by like, Oh, that's like a cool angle you could take and to sound your own wave or whatever. But that was sort of it, but I don't think I really hit it yet. Like I was still kind of like fucking mm -hmm. around and kind of making stuff that just sounded like, the other artists I liked. So yeah. So then, so when did you then, get to the point where you were really getting comfortable in your music? I think it took like a two years or so that like, I was like, Oh, like this is cool. I want to like put this out. Um, I was still in like, I was still in this band for like a little bit with my buddy that I mentioned before. Um, and mm -hmm. then, but that, that we put out like a few releases on that. It was sort of like animal collective-y sounding. And then as that sort of like phased out, uh, like I began to really focus on this project. And so after that, I was kind of playing in bands here or there. I had projects here and there, but like 2014-ish was when I was like, okay, like, like I have like, I, I'm really like into this. And I made like an eight song kind of beat tape and I kind of like put it on Reddit and Bandcamp and whatnot. And it got like a little bit of like, like tiny bit of like good reception. Like I started to like, get more plays and whatnot. So that made me really want to like start doing it more. Yeah. 
Okay. And All right. so, yeah, that was basically that was basically it in like a nutshell. Yeah. Just kind of got more into it, but so it wasn't see, like it. It wasn't like something that you knew you were going to do when you were twelve years old, which is which is interesting. Yeah, I, I've I've been I, picking up now that I've been dissecting a lot of people's lives. I've been picking up that that is kind of the case. It's people are kind of later to pick up their craft, their artistic medium, because like, it's not really forced upon us, pushed upon us at a younger age. Yeah. So it's like, it's pretty natural to kind of pick it up later on. And I think it's good. You should explore. You should try a bunch of things until you're like kind oh, of totally, stubborn, yeah. stuck on this one. I really loved music, like more than anything when I was growing up, I was like, really like, I was like a, I was like a pop punk kid. Like I grew up on that wave. <laughs> Like now it's yeah. kind of funny because now I'm like, oh, maybe I'm like old. Like I just feel like old now. But like I was like in like 2004 or whatever. Like that was like when things were really like popping off and I was like in middle school. So I always like wanted to like be in a band one day. I just never really like learned instruments. And by the time I kind of learned an instrument, I was already like listening to different kinds of music. But yeah. I think there was something deep <laughs> down that I always wanted to like pursue it. But it's the sort of thing that only until like you have a little bit of validation and confidence that you're like, okay, now it's time, you know? Exactly, exactly. That's the same as me with this podcast. <laughs> exactly <laughs> I mean, yeah, here we are. We out, we out here, dude. It here we are. Who would have thought? Wait, you didn't think you didn't think at 12 years old you wanted to do this podcast? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> No, unfortunately, no. I wish I started ten years ago. To but, all the to all the twelve year olds listening to this, start your podcast today. <laughs> start them now. Get it start started. It you have a phone. You can record on there. You're not going to get audio like this, but it's still good enough. <laughs> you, you see a tweet that was like, um, "A group of crows is called a murder, and a group of men is called a podcast." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> we need got, more women in this podcast world. <laughs> I got I got one more. I got one more. It's um like <laughs> is like like I saw one that was like is running for president like a billionaire's version of starting a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the Democrats. <laughs> yes, yes, yes it is. Yes. There's, Put all there's... of them in a room, make it a podcast. One yeah. microphone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> one microphone only yeah exactly we're sharing it's a it's yeah. a it's a share it's the sharing economy folks <laughs> yeah exactly exactly speaking of sharing so you recently put out this flip you did i did from a bit out of parasite can you talk about that a little bit i can did you see the movie because that kind of went viral that kind of went viral uh, it, it, yeah, it like, like got low a, key. <laughs> it got, it got, a, it got a decent amount of traction. I was like really surprised. Okay. I'll tell the story behind that. Um, so I saw the movie, I was a little late to it. I saw it like kind of like right before it got a wide release in the States. Uh, I really like him, uh, Bong Juno. Like I might be mispronouncing that. Sorry. Uh, I loved Okja and I loved, uh, Snowpiercer. So I was really excited. I knew going in, I'd probably really like this movie. He's like brilliant. Mm -hmm. And he is such a, like, he brings this really, so many movies can kind of get lost and bogged down in the message it wants to convey. But he like knows that like people are not going to like your story unless it has kind of a humanistic take on it. You're not going to care about it unless it's characters. So, and he really right. gets that. And that's what I really like about him. So I knew already, I knew nothing about this movie kind of intentionally. Also, a lot of people love to say that they didn't really know anything about this movie going in. And I was like, yeah, cause it's one of the <laughs> rare, well, it's one of the rare instances that this movie that's really popular doesn't have much marketing here. And like the trailer's not being slammed in your face on every TV ad or taxi cab. So it's really yep, good yeah. that like people went in with a lot of like unsure likeness about it, which I'm glad I did too. So I went, I saw it, I loved it. And there's this little scene where, um, Park Sodom's character like sings this jingle and it's like uh her and her brother like join in and I remember seeing that and I was like that was funny <laughs> like I like looked around at the theater I was like that was such a cute little moment what the hell was that um nobody and then, reacted <laughs> uh I it, I wasn't sure if nobody reacted it was more just like I definitely reacted and then yeah. um so Later on, I was reading an interview with the director and he just mentions that character and how much he loves that scene. And I was like, you know what? I love that scene. That was so cute. And, the, <laughs> and so I did a little research on it and I didn't know it's like uh, it's 
It's like uh, it's a song that Korean children learn. It's called Dokdo is our territory, and it's like a mnemonic device. It's like uh, Mary had a little lamb. It's just like ah, a little thing okay. to sing. So, yeah. um, so I'm gonna say uh, Wednesday night of last week, I was like, oh, like that was like a fun little scene. Maybe to like add a little like extra content around the album, I'll just like do this little remix around it. Cause I thought it was really cute. So I started the remix yeah. and it was like, uh, it kind of worked. It was really easy to start. Like the, the girl sings, uh, the characters like sing on key and on like, and on time. So getting it to like fit in the framework of a track was pretty seamless. I wanted to like, uh, do like this really dreamy sort of texture around it. And when I heard it, I was like, oh, this could like, and it's at 120. It sounds like, a, it sounds like, uh, like a cool house song. It sounds like, uh, Park Hai Jin yep, or Peggy exactly. Goo or Yeji. Exactly. Um, so I, I remember starting and I was like, oh, this sounds like fun. Like, cool. Uh, I'll work on it. I worked on it for a few hours. I, w- I remember one day I was like, I just need to like, I want to like really do this cause it's like a fun idea or whatever. And I feel like people will really like it if they've seen the movie. Um, so I didn't finish it. And then Thursday I went to work and I remember just like being like, uh, th- th- that was Thursday. And then Friday morning I went to work and just like, I was woke up wrong side of the bed. I just remember just being in kind of like a blech mood. And, um, and then I mm-hmm. opened Twitter and I see that neon productions posted a like video of the jingle and it was clear that they were like trying to like get people to remix it or whatever. And I was like, fuck, like that was like, that would have been my <laughs> chance to be the first one. Like I missed it. Now everyone's going to do it. Like they're, and it was clear that they were trying to kind of make it a thing. So I yeah. was like, fuck, whatever. So, um, I had put a little, I had put a little preview of it on my Instagram story. And a lot of people who saw the movie who follow me on Instagram liked it. And I was like, oh, like I'll put it on Twitter just to like for my like 20 followers to be like, oh, that's cool. He's doing that. And so I put it up. I have a very busy day at work. And then I open my phone and there's just like like hundreds of notifications. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Man. And I saw like a bunch of people at like like 50 people had shared the little preview of like, oh, fuck, like here it comes. Like someone's doing it finally. <laughs> And I like looked through and like there was like people from like the New York Times and like Polygon and like all these people were sharing it and I was like shit, shit. <laughs> so now I was you like, gotta put it out. <laughs> so I told my boss and I have um, no choice. My boss is really cool. Um, and I just told him like I gotta like go home and finish this. I had movie. I had plans to see like a movie that night, and I like texted my this person I was gonna go see it with. Like, yo, like I'm sorry, I gotta like I gotta like maybe can't make the movie tonight. I really gotta do this, so I like ran the fuck home. Uh, I didn't really finish it. It was just like one loop, and I was like, okay, I need to like make this really quick, make like a bridge, whatever. Um, because the the iPhone recording of like the tweet of the screen or whatever was like like yeah, it had it was at like like it was like. I've had popular-ish tweets, but never about music. So I was like, okay, this is like the only time some piece of thing I worked on is like getting lots of traction. It was at like 15,000 views already. So I went I went home really quick and then I made the video really quick. Thankfully, it like synced to the song perfectly, but I made the whole thing. I just marathoned it and finished the entire finished product in like three hours. And then I just like put it out. Nice. I um, Right in some- time some other people who liked it, who like saw, like I responded to the original tweet. They started like adding, um, like the bong hive, which I guess is like sort of like the Twitter hashtag for people who love the director. And someone sent it. Someone was like added neon productions, the production company that distributed it. And they also added like the official movie Twitter. And then all of them just started sharing it. Like, I think they were really trying to make, what uh, the Jessica, uh, only child, Illinois, Chicago, like a thing. Like I think they were really trying to like yeah, yeah. make it. Like they put it on Genius today. So um, I like what the fuck. So it just started like on Twitter. It just like took off. I mean, it didn't take off like crazy. It got like I don't know, like two hundred and fifty retweets. Ultimately, it wasn't big. But yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that kind of changed the last like yesterday though was I put it on YouTube and um, so. 
Korean news outlets are loving that people love this jingle. So a lot of them started writing about my remix. So like a bunch of random what like Huffington fuck? Post. Yeah, I saw that on like, your Instagram story. Yeah, like so Huffington Post and these other I guess independent news channels with like a good amount of subscribers were all like writing about the phenomenon that is uh the Jessica jingle as they're calling it in America. Like they're just like they were basically saying like look, like whoa, like Dokdo is our territory is like really like people in America love this. And they were like posting my song. Someone with a lot of subscribers just like made, did a video about the jingle and just told everyone like, yo, you got to go follow this guy on SoundCloud. So I'm getting like a bunch of random streams from Korea right now. I've never really experienced anything <laughs> like this. I've done flips. That's dope, man. I've done flips before, but this was definitely, and I've done little like, bits here and there about movie remixes but i really think right. there's a lot of potential there one other guy i really i do like uh he makes music by the name of pogo i think he's i think people i think he's sort of a little bit out of the limelight these days he has a few unsavory political opinions i really disagree with uh but oh boy he, <laughs> yeah we nice. don't have to jump into that but his music, he remixes movies, and I always really like them, regardless of like his like idiotic politics. They kind of like inspired me from the get go. I haven't really kept tabs with what he's doing, but he used to back in mm -hmm. the day, like in 2011, before like right around when I was like trying to like start making music, he would like remix like Pixar movies and Disney movies, and regardless of what he became, that was always kind of there as like oh like turning things people are familiar with like movies is like really fun so i think yeah. after this i yeah. definitely want to do more i have more planned at this point seeing what the next kind of um maybe release that comes out that would be fun to flip but this was a great it was a very interesting experience i never really had anything like this like do just kind of like Dude, make something as a joke and watching it, it pop off it's definitely interesting yeah no, it's so weird though because it's like it's one of those things where you you made you made a timely flip on something that's very relevant, mm -hmm. and it's like it's like the social currency of the movie Parasite yeah. kind of carried you so far all the way to people in Korea are like, what the hell is this? this is amazing, you know what I mean? Yeah, and definitely. It's, it's all just social currency and relevance, and it was just perfect timing. And you know? it felt like a little perfect, also that like. All of my music, it's it's like has a big Asian influence. I feel like the, exactly, yeah. The flip was yeah. not that far, like not that far off. I've sampled Korean and Chinese records like plenty in the past too. Like it didn't, it yeah. felt, it didn't feel like completely like I didn't, I, I, I felt like it was appropriate and it worked with my kind of sound or whatever. I just think the funny thing is, do you know what that nursery rhyme is about? No, I don't. What is so, it about? It's a nursery. So, Dokdo is a disputed territory between Korea and Japan. And the nursery rhyme oh. is about, it's called Dokdo is our territory. And it's about like, like, like laying claim to like, this is part of Korea. It's not part of Japan, which I found like the ultimate kind of irony that I am Japanese and I That's did this remix. So, <laughs> so it, just, it all kind of worked out perfectly. But um, That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've also, like, I, it's kind of funny. There's another song on my album that was me trying to do that. It sampled this movie called Departures, where I really wanted to, like, can I turn movie dialogue into music, like, and turn it, like, sh pitch shifted and turn it into melodies. Didn't really, I didn't really end up using it on the album, but this was, like, an experiment that I mm -hmm. um, wanted to eventually try. And to be honest, I'm really glad the first one did well. <laughs> like, it's like, I didn't really yeah, do anything like this before. So. Yeah, so so let's yeah. transition into that. So you did just release your first single of Two Dreamers. Mm -hmm. Actually, you want to just tell them about the album. Just, just yeah, give them sure. a little background and context on the album so that, you know, we can get into some questions about it. Yeah, of course. So my album is called Two Dreamers. I just re uh, released the, the first single, also called Two Dreamers, um, last week. Beautiful music video for that as well. Thank you beautiful so much. Music I appreciate video. that. I sent it to, I sent it to my girlfriend and she loved it so much, man. She said it was so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you it's to so you good, and dude. your girlfriend. It's so good. <laughs> I appreciated that. The uh, so we released it last week. The video, um, as you mentioned, was animated by this wonderful director in Australia. Her name is Lee Arkapa. And so mm -hmm. I'll talk about the kind of idea behind the album and that segues into the idea behind the video too. Um, when I was so 
this this album was inspired by this recurring dreams I would have growing growing up, where whenever I, w- I would like be in New York and wake up like panicked that I was in Tokyo and I needed to get home, and then I'd wake up and be like, oh, I'm in New York. And then when I'd go to Japan, I would have the same dream. I'd be like, oh, I'm like, where am I? I'm in New York. Like I gotta get like home or whatever. And then I'd wake up and I'd be in Japan. So ah, okay. that was sort of like the, like, how do I kind of like translate just this deep confusion that can come from like a very unsettling dream, but also make it sort of hazy and like um, atmospheric or whatever. So that was the general theme mm-hmm. of the record, just inspired by like these two recurring dreams I had. I tried to have every song kind of bounce off if it was taking place in one or the other. Um I like the idea of it because it's sort of like always part I'm mixed. I'm half Japanese and I'm half like just white, distantly European. And when you grow up mixed, you have this general confusion about who, like what you are. You don't really know yeah, if you course, identify as white or as Japanese. And you also being born in Japan, you're like, where did I act? What is actual home to me? Like, do I belong Mm -hmm. there? Do I belong here? So that's always been something that defined my life. And I really thought about this thing that happened in my childhood of like growing up, having these dreams where I keep like wake, like I dream I was in the opposite country and like be like a little bit panicked, like, where am I? And I felt like that was a general microcosm of, how I've always felt, and I kind of wanted to explore that with the album. So that's the album in a nutshell. It's nine songs. Damn, I love that. I love that theme. I love that thesis. That, that really makes sense. I resonate with that as well. You know, I'm, I'm also a mixed Asian Filipino white guy. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> like, oh, you know. I didn't. I didn't even. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm part white. I am partially white. <laughs> I can. I mean, I can see it now. Of course, I just wasn't like entirely sure. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did all you? Oh, good. good. Were you, when you spent time uh, when you spent time in like the states, was it with family or like? Oh yeah, dude. No, I, I I'm born and raised in New Jersey, and then New oh York no, City. Sh- oh I didn't even know that. I yeah. thought like I thought yeah, it, yeah. it was just like visiting or wait. So you grew up in New York City? No, I grew up in Jersey. Oh, okay. And then moved to, moved to New York City when I was in college, and then. Now I'm here in the Philippines. So you know, <laughs> so you know that feel definitely. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I grew up in a really white place in Jersey, and then I moved to New York, and then all my friends suddenly became Asian, and it was just like, whoa, man, crazy realization of like, what is this white versus Asian thing going on in my life, and how do I balance it? You know what I mean? And like, and no, going back to your album, like that makes perfect sense. I, I love like the, that idea of the two dreams, those literal reoccurring dreams that you've been having. Yeah. Dude, that's wild. Yeah, it was that's a, super wild. I and I, it was like, and it would still happen. Like it happened the last time I was there. Like I was like, f- like I, I like freak out. I'm like, oh, I like, I'm like in New York. I gotta get home or whatever. Like it was always the the feeling in every dream, wherever it was taking place, was like, where the fuck am I? I'm not in the right place. I need to get back. And like, huh. like, so you know what I mean? So it'd be like if I was yeah. in Japan dreaming of New York, I'd be like, oh, I gotta get back to Japan. What am I doing here? And like, yeah, the other way around too. And I can't really like dissect it, but it's just something I wanted to explore. And I feel like everyone I've talked to either mixed or like growing up Asian American kind of has that experience. Like what is home? Like you don't really Mm -hmm. know what it is. Um, Yeah. The last song on the album is called that you dream of home. And it was the point was like, to the, to, in that experience, you don't, you're not really sure what home is. And I always felt that, and I kind of wanted to like paint that in the, um, in the album. So back to the video, I told the director yeah. that like, imagine you have these, imagine you're having reoccurring dreams and you meet someone else who has the same reoccurring dreams. What does it mean? And I just said, run with that. That was basically the idea. Like, and that was kind of like the idea behind the song. Like you ever like just meet someone you connect with deeply, like, Maybe maybe it's that you have the same reoccurring dreams as they do. Uh, that was like it's not like a literal thing that happened, but that was basically the idea behind the song. And I was like, kind of what I pitched that to the vocalist and to the animator, and with the animator as well. I sent her like a lot of like childhood imagery I wanted in it, so that's what she brought to life. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I really loved it. I really loved it. It was amazing animation amazing like the color palette and everything and it, it just fits the music perfectly she it's killed so it beautiful i, I hope take, you guys all check it out yeah i take no credit for that one she really like brought <laughs> it to life we just bonded over some imagery that i sent her and whatnot so 
Like, okay. She was great. She really got it very quickly. I'm really yeah, glad man. you like That's it. Dope. Thank you. I'm really glad it's like making sense to people. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, as far as, as far as the album goes, do you have any other, uh, any other features, any other collaborators on the album who are part of uh, making it? Uh, yeah, I, so for this album, there's a few vocalists, but I actually really like the past few years I'd been doing like a lot of features and I really wanted to like actually do a lot of instrumentals on this album. Like, okay. I really just wanted to make like more, like, so it's a little mix of both. Um, there's more like beats, like it's more like instrumentals and head nodders and like little, like interesting sound design and whatnot, but there are still a few features. And I kind of kept it like always like my sound palette's a little more like I, I work with a lot of Asian American talent and a lot of female vocalists on this one. So there's a really there's a cool uh, vocalist from New York City who's also half Japanese named Tina Hane, and she sings on one track. Unmo is on two tracks, and then another collaborator. She goes by Isei. I might be mispronouncing that, but she's this. Um, Korean-American singer-songwriter based in L.A., and um, the song she does on the album is really beautiful. It's just her and piano. Like, we, I wanted to do... I wanted to have, like, a real blend of... sort of beats and, like, interesting textures, but also kind of, like, normal songs, songs with, like, melodies and whatnot. So... Yeah. There's a few features. It's not, like, a crazy amount. And the album's pretty short. It's, like, nine songs, so... Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that a lot, man. I'm really looking forward to that, especially after hearing Two Dreamers, the the single. After hearing the single, I was already like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready for this. <laughs> yeah. The whole uh, I'll send it to you for sure. The whole album kind of like gravitates in that um, direction. It's much more like I and this one deliberately too. After like a few years too, I was like putting out beats here and there, but they felt like very unfocused i so after like 2017 till like now i was kind of not doing music as much like i wasn't really releasing anything i had hit kind of like a personal snag in doing it and it felt like i wasn't really i didn't really feel very sure of myself again and but this album that started around like a year and a half ago maybe two years ago like i was really inspired to just like i need to go back to my roots and i wanted to make beats again and i wanted it to be very japan inspired again and so there's a lot of that it feels very like like the sound palette the choices really like harken to my roots so okay yeah that's awesome man that's really awesome because i've been i've been kind of I've talked about it a couple of times on the podcast and, you know, I, I continue, I continue to study it and explore it. Like I, I love to see artists who, who use their heritage as a subject or as a, as a theme or an idea throughout their medium, you know, because yeah, totally. I, I still feel like there's not enough of that happening in the world, Definitely. like anywhere in the world for yeah. any cultures, you know, like we always, we, we have such a, like we are, we force ourselves to look at old traditions when we don't look at the forming of new traditions for specific cultures and heritage. Interesting. You know I mean? Can you elaborate I, on that? Like you, for example, and and I think Mark is another great example. Mark yeah. has his whole idea, his process of new tropical, which is the tropical futurism, where he's taking, uh, he's reimagining Filipino traditional sounds and and Filipino culture into future electronic music and yours yeah. i haven't heard the project yet but just giving your thesis of of what the project is like it's it's kind of along the same lines where it's like you're really pulling back your your japanese heritage and thinking about it and and using it and applying it to your music i'm glad you, you know, mentioned uh, mark redito too because he was like a really yeah. early inspiration i remember when i discovered desire um like and it said, uh, I, I forgot the actual like Japanese kanji he uses. It might have been Aou, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure. Um, I was really like inspired by him too. I love that he had that sort of aesthetic and that look. He really like brought together the like Japan inspired like look and feel, and in addition to the sound palette, but also like yeah. it stood out to me because also like I, I don't know. I like that we've really phased out of this, but the thing I was always that always motivated me because I was really turned off was was just like 
how many people would just overdo the Japan thing that were not Asian? <laughs> like it really, it's always, it, I see it way less yeah. now, which is good. But like way back when I was starting to make music, like I think uh, we're at a very interest, we're at a very great and interesting point with Asian representation, especially in music now, because I just like, mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. Like I, I'm just seeing so many more stories and so many more people like bring that to their music. And mm -hmm. I think like what I always wanted to do was that like I am Asian American, but I really want my music to feel like that. Like I don't like I was just maybe like here or there. It isn't like always present, but I don't want to be the kind of person who makes sort of like I'm like a R&B singer songwriter, but also like. I'll talk, I'll tweet about being like an Asian American artist. I really want the art to feel that way. So like. Like, right. Yeah. So that's why, like on Two Dreamers, there is a Japanese vocalist. There is like a, a the video is very Asian inspired. It really, I try to have that actually be present in the art. I want it to be first and foremost. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Like. Oh, pop, that's like, amazing, man. Very that's much amazing. like like the I want the identity to come through the art. I don't want it to come through in like the visual branding of it or whatever. It should feel like I am inspired by Japan. It should sound like it rather. And I really like right. that Mark did that. And the my biggest problem, like I, I when I was starting to get into music or whatever, I really insisted on doing this and insisted on like I'm a Japanese American artist who really is inspired by that. Just because I saw people only really doing the like like I would see non-Asian artists only focus on the visual side of it or something. Yeah. You know I mean like just coming yeah, in and like that yeah, yeah, wave yeah. of like future funk and vapor wave and all that, that just like slapped yeah. Japanese lettering on it. I was like, it all that, Oh, it always sat with me wrong. And that was like, I'm glad we're moving yeah. away from that. But I remember when I was starting to get into it, that was sort of a, like, I want to like make music that feels properly like, plucked out of japan not just using it as like a visual you know right exactly no that totally makes sense and, and you you mentioned something interesting earlier like you are asian american therefore your music is inherently asian american whether it sounds like it or not yeah but definitely. you have made the conscious decision that that that's what you want to do that is what you want to pursue as an artist yeah. which that is so interesting because like for me just thinking of visual artists I mean, it happens a lot in music, I think, where people are expressing their uh, cultural roots. I think it happens a lot more in music than it does happen in other mediums. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, actually, one of my favorite painters is this Taiwanese-American guy. His name is Andrew Kuo. He does a lot of stuff, a lot of different art forms and whatnot. But he always I, says, you like... You mind if I look him up right now? I just want to see who you're talking about. Yeah, sure. It's Andrew Kuo Studio. Cool. Andrew Kuo, K-U-O. Mm -hmm. I got it. Yeah. Uh, I like, like this Jeremy Lin he, painting I'm looking at. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he does, he hosts my favorite podcast. It's, it's a basketball and all over, all around New York podcast. And um, he, he always says on the podcast, like, I am Asian American. Therefore, all of my work is inher inherently Asian American and I can do whatever I want. Whatever it is that I'm portraying, it's still going to be Asian American. I love that. Yeah, and, and like that's such a good way to identify, like, to not to categorize, but just identify as you know for for any type of artist, any type of creative. Yeah, definitely. It's also I I, I have thought a lot about how the Asian American story is like new is newish to mainstream media. Super like, new. Like Super like, and new. we're talking specifically the Asian American. Like it's not like. And talking about growing up in the U.S. or whatever as, like, as an Asian person or of Asian descent, like, that feels mm -hmm. new. That we're starting to see, like, more in media or, like, in the conversation, so to speak. I think, like, that's the, – and I'm inspired by that. I'm really glad that those sort of narratives are more celebrated and more, um, like, being fought to be heard. You know what I mean? But, yeah. like, definitely artists like Mark – and artists like I mentioned before, Shigeto, like they've been like in music, they've been doing that. Like all, it was always yeah, there, of course. like which always really inspired me, which I always really liked. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so, does do you feel like the like the current uprising of 
you know the asian american story in mainstream media like does that is that encouraging you right now to to push further with your music like is like over the past few years so much has happened for asian americans in terms of mainstream releases and whatnot like has has that been something that really pushed you to to get to work on this album because you said you've been working on it for about two years now yeah it was definitely like a uh unconscious and unconscious decision like i'm enjoying watching this sort of I'm, I'm enjoying watching it just more representation happening and I'm enjoying watching um, these sort of communities and networks pop up that really elevate Asian talent and Asian voices. But I guess with regards to my own thing, I want to say like I'm more motivated by just what makes me happy as an artist. Like, I I feel happier. I feel more like me if I'm doing something I know only I can do. And if that Mm -hmm. doesn't always resonate or people don't get it at first, it's kind of like beyond me. It's not up to me. But the reason it's a little more going in that direction is that I just feel more satisfied as an artist. It It Like, I feel like I am getting more out of it if I do it and it sounds this way and people react to it if I'm really like stick to my guns and I'm like, okay, it's going to go in this direction. There's going to be Japanese vocals. There's going to be Japanese samples. There's going to be like a lot more of that sound palette. Um, that said though, like definitely outside of music though, I'm like, of course I love, I love it. I really like, we're seeing like a good example. I mean, this is not an Asian American story, but like we talked about Parasite before, it's the highest grossing film in the U.S. right now in 2019. It's the highest yep. growing f- yeah. grossing foreign film in the U.S. because I just think audiences are growing and more receptive, and they'll like watch, engage, and be into a story that is not like a Western narrative. But then again, it's like, yeah. but then in fairness, you know, those kind of like those stories have always sort of like existed. People like remember their roots like there's been plenty uh, there has been a long history of asian cinema very popular in the states i don't want to Word, discount, yeah, yeah, i yeah. don't want to discount that um i guess i guess i'm gonna backtrack maybe parasite's not the best example there are other asian more actual asian no i mean I, I still think it's know? a great example because yeah. of i mean have other asian films been the highest grossing film <laughs> you know what i mean like For- have they been the highest grossing foreign film like, I, I don't know of any that come to mind I, I like, <laughs> like i think in 2004 it was crouching tiger hidden dragon like i think that was the highest grossing foreign film because it was a okay smash yeah hit. that like, makes sense yeah that makes like sense. so yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. that's the only reason why i'm like a little hesitant to like immediately jump the gun and be like it's groundbreaking because it's a groundbreaking movie i think i think the but i guess what i was trying to say is that the palette for Western audiences for Asian cinema has always been there. And I think Mm -hmm. it's getting bigger and bigger. And now Asian American stories are also entering the, the, the sphere of like cultural interest. I guess that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I totally get you. I totally get you. So did you like crazy rich Asians? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, we don't need to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Not crazy about it, but you know, (laughs) Of course. <laughs> Not crazy about it, but we have to experience it because it's part of being Asian American. Yes, know? it is. It's you a, have to I give mean, it- that's actually kind of the way I look at things. Like you have to give it credit. You have yeah. to give it credit. You know, it's it's something Asian in America. That's happening. You know what? You know? you know what? I like that movie. I'm not afraid to say it. I thought that, (laughs) and you know why, you know why I'll defend Crazy Rich Asians? Because it was not about the love story at all. It was about the mom and the girl. And like, that was a great, that (laughs) I thought was a good story. I don't know. It's maybe it's cliched, but it's elevated by the Asian American like angle. Experience. The the experience that elevates an otherwise like underwritten movie. I, I will say that right. I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it. I was moved by it. <laughs> I'm not. I yeah. like. I think I'm like. I might be of the minority here who like like that movie. I know a lot of people are like, Ugh. like it's sort of like you know, it's like the, the, the people will be quick to be like it's like the Applebee's of like a fucking like. It's it, there's no there's no <laughs> subtext to a movie like Crazy Rich Asians. It's like Applebee's. Applebee's yeah. Like you aim right for the middle, you will get there. You know. <laughs> But anyway, so yep, we, yep, we, yep. we went no, off track yeah, there. <laughs> I, I totally get what you mean. I totally get what you mean. All right. Well, <laughs> we are coming in towards closing time. So you mind if I just ask you a few closing questions? Absolutely. I was hoping we didn't end on 
crazy rich Asians. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be it. See you guys. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, we kind of talked about social media earlier. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you are more on Twitter than you are on Instagram. No. Would you, no. What would you say? No, really? No, not at all. I really. Um, what's your favorite? What's your favorite platform? I do not. Now? What's I, your favorite? I don't. I, I'm not a big fan of Twitter. I think a lot of it has to do Shit, with the really? fact that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Twitter. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, most of my actual close real life friends and family are on like other like they're on Instagram. I don't really. Right. Yeah. Twitter is Twitter is cool. I've met a lot of cool people from it. Um, if I can go off on like a bit of a tangent, like I just think that t- Twitter really can like bring out a really ugly side of people. Like I just think that. Oh, for sure. I think sure. that I think that it's not good to have so many words and thoughts and like immediate knee jerk reactions to everything. I'm not a really big fan of Twitter. Okay. Um, but okay. no, I totally uh, get that. I think you were, you were, so, what? so yeah, I, I gravitate more towards Instagram, both in my personal life and at work. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. So where do you, which one do you prefer in terms of like music life? Which one do you prefer is better for, you know, promotion and sharing and whatnot? Like what, um, what do you do best? That's, with? that's a great question because I th- feel like with Instagram, it's a better format for sharing things, but you can't share things on it. Like that's the problem. Yeah. Like, yeah. so Instagram I think is better because it's curated and the amount of stuff you can post is significantly less. You have to make original content. And I would think that right. is the great way to like really showcase work, but you can't share it. Like you can't, there's no really yeah. good way to share it. So Twitter is good for that regard. Like, you know what I mean? Like Twitter is good to like get more eyes on your product. But I think the problem with Twitter is that there's just too you can post. It feels more like the barrier to content is less lower. So like anyone can post <laughs> Absolutely. any given thought, any link, any piece of content. So Twitter is ultimately like I think better to get things out there. But Instagram is better to tell stories. Yeah. 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 I would say All that. Right. Yeah, I totally agree with that. All right. Uh, my next one is... What was the most meaningful moment so far in your career as a musician? Um, there's been a lot. There's been a, so I feel like there's ones that feel very ta- like tangible. Like I would say, um, playing in Japan for the first time ever was really cool, and I've played like a oh, few times sick. since. I really like that. Um, yeah. Other times was like when people you really look up to start to like fuck with your music. Mark's an example, Mark Redito. I really liked him and when I like started sending him stuff, that was really great. But one of the things that really stands out to me was um, I put out music like a little bit a while ago. And in addition to it, I just did an interview talking about my inspiration behind the song. And someone one time sent me this message on SoundCloud that was like an essay. Uh, like, and it was like about how he just didn't feel like any artist really understood what it was like to like be of mixed Asian descent and the sort of confusion it comes out of it. So he really felt it resonated, like the thing I said in the interview resonated with him, but also he was just like, and your music's really beautiful. And I feel like it captures how I feel as like a mixed race person, how it's like got these sort of like, I guess Western beat making styles, but like it has like Japanese sounds and vocals over it. And he was like, no artist has ever spoken to me on that level. I got a letter like that once. And I like, really like, I almost like teared up. Like I was like, damn, like I didn't like, like even, even my, even my mom isn't that nice to me. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) So like that, I I always remember that as like the most memorable thing. Like, yeah. Like you can have like these sort of like, Oh, like I got playlisted. Uh, Oh, I got like on a, I, I got on like a Simpsons wave mix. Like I'm on like this lo-fi <laughs> radio th- thing, but like when like one person just gets it and you really change them, like that's all it's about. <laughs> that's all you should really yeah. do it for. So that was definitely the most sure. memorable thing that's ever happened. Yeah. For sure. No, I love that. I love that. I actually wanted to close out the episode with what we were talking about earlier about how sure. we met. And yeah, absolutely. Like, 
just to set it up, you you explained it earlier. It was kind of a desolate time in in America and in New York. Yeah. Just how 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 soon after the election was this? When oh, did this so, happen? So I'll backtrack. At the beginning, before we recorded, we were talking about. Yeah. Um, so Dominic and I ran into each other at. Um, I, at Mark Redito's show at Elsewhere recently, and we were trying to figure out the last time yeah. we saw each other, and we realized the first time we had met was you were shooting for Ehio Orobo, which is a friend of mine who I used to play a few shows with Hell yeah. back in the day. Great dude, super talented. And um, the show we had initially met at was on November 16th, 2016. Uh, no, sorry, November 11th, 2016. And yeah. um, uh, I'm going to backtrack even more. Sorry. It was on November 24th sure. was the show, but we had announced it around the, so we had announced it uh, on November 6, 2016. So that was when we announced the show. So the show was myself, Ehi, um, Michael Mason, another really awesome uh, sort of like bass producer, bureaucratic amazing like another funk, awesome bass lo-fi hip-hop <laughs> guy and yataku makes also like incredible electronic this like walls of sound just incredible stuff all really great guys i'm still in touch with um so we announced this show and it was like really like oh like this is gonna be great we made it all like thanksgiving themed like fuck yeah, yeah. like we called it thanks fam giving and then so we announced it yeah, on like we announced it on like november i want to say like november 7th and then november 9th trump won and like we had a group chat and we were like do we do even do the show like should we cancel like what do we do like and we were talking about and i think people like i, I really don't want anyone to ever forget that the the tone and the atmosphere of america for a lot of people but especially in New York, you know, yeah, State especially just, in New York, it man. was complete desolation and loss and like feeling immobile and like, just like, just so grief struck. And I remember we just like, didn't know what to do. So a year ago yesterday, we announced that we had completely shifted gears on what we wanted to do with the show, we wanted to keep it uh, because, like a few night, like a few nights before, also I ran into um, bureaucratic and Michael at a at a show. I think it was a Tennyson and Fote show, and we were like, we should still do the show. So we had decided a few days later we wanted to do the show. We made it a charity benefit for Rain, which um, helps victims of sexual assault, um, like. We and we did the show and it was great and we felt like a really communal night of music. But like, yeah, before that, it was just all of us were feeling just absolute like numbness. It was really like a dark time. Yeah. And so like, it's crazy to think how long ago three years now. But like, it really was a long time ago. And how like this is just it was like the new normal or whatever. But um uh, like that, but on a lighter note, that's how we met. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and but it was a really great going experience back to that, talking. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful that you guys, you guys had this idea, something tragic happened and you formed a new idea out of it where you, yeah. you recreated that show toward being, you know, a charity show where it's something like everybody, we know everybody's feeling this negativity yeah. right now and we're going to do everything that we can to stop that and it ended up Absolutely. being a great show it was a lot of fun it was yeah we had a great much time Moors? Much yeah it was at right? much more yeah yes it was that it was, was a great time man i and, loved it and you know raising money for a cause is always great as well it, it just it, it makes perfect sense of course you know what they yeah. say how it's like you only remember the good you only remember the good stuff like i really yeah. like i looked back at that as like i i just remember all of us being so like happy to have each other and making like putting on great music like that is yeah. ultimately what it's about and i think like to bring it full circle i guess with why i love the sort of asian um resurgence not resurgence asian sort of like elevation that's happening in music because asian 
culture by and large is so community driven that it feels kind of like perfect. Like I feel a lot more like it, like meeting a lot more Asian creatives around the country, just part of like a community similar to like that from that night. So, you know, music is important. Music's important. Community is important. You know, exactly. Exactly. And on that note, that's a perfect ending. Community is important. Music is important. Perfect ending. Perfect ending. All right, everybody. Cool. Do Thank I get you to for do tuning one, in. Do I get to do one last plug? Yeah, of course you do. That's what I was going to say next. Oh, sorry about that. Where you can find you. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Go ahead. Uh, okay, I'll do my last plug. Um, so my new single, Two Dreamers, is out via Zoom Lens. You can find it, I'm sure... Well, you'll, you'll have played it. There'll be links. Um, my new album drops November 12th. I'll um, be announcing some shows and support very soon. And also, in addition to that, you can hear my Parasite remix on YouTube. Hell yeah. And the Parasite remix is actually going to be starting right now. Okay, great. Thank you so <laughs> much right, for everybody. having me. I'm really happy to be on here. Thank you so much, Ken. Thanks for coming on, man. I, I think we had a great conversation. I appreciate I you coming on. Let's do this again sometime. Sounds great. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.